This is Daniel Fagella, Head of Research here at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research. You're listening to the AI in Business podcast, where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. If you don't write Python, but you are interested in finding high ROI AI projects and building a powerful AI strategy, you found yourself in the right place. We jump around from many industries. Our goal here on the show, for those of you that are longtime listeners, you already know, is to find industry agnostic insights. That is to say, to unlock more about what AI can do, how AI can be used to add value to business processes so that no matter what industry you're working in, you can spot more of those high ROI opportunities yourself. We focus on e-commerce this week and a bit of a unique use case. Much of the time we're talking about e-commerce, we're talking about product recommendations. Or much of the time we're talking about e-commerce, we're talking about predicting inventory levels and big logistics concerns. Obviously, COVID put a real wrench in the gears for e-commerce and retail, and that topic has been hotter and hotter in the last two years. In this episode, we focus instead on onboarding product data for e-commerce. As it turns out, when you have thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of products in your product database, it is no simple task to load up those products and to make sure that the description of those products is accurate. You want people to be able to know where all the red rain boots are. You want people to know and be able to search for the right kind of automotive parts, if that's what you're selling online. And that implies having the right kind of data for descriptions for these products as they go live. There is an arcane current technology used here. Retail is obviously an older space, but artificial intelligence may be able to help to streamline this process. And our guest this week is someone who has a lot of focus and a lot of experience on just that. Divya Mishra of Crowd Analytics breaks down the business problem of collecting and ensuring the accuracy of product data and how AI can be used not only to load up product data to make sure that it's accurate, make sure that searches are accurate, but how that accurate data can then be used from a user's perspective. How does this actually improve user experience? So any of you listening in with very rote data entry tasks that are very, very hard to scale, I think should be able to benefit from this episode. And I appreciated being able to dive into a use case that I don't think we've covered before on the show. So this was a fun one for me, and I hope you enjoy it. This is Divya with Crowd Analytics here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Divya, we're talking today about product data onboarding, e-commerce firms often have many, many SKUs. Could be millions, could be tens of millions of SKUs. In Amazon's case, God knows how many. And as it turns out, you know, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of how AI applies here, but it's important to get this right from a revenue perspective, cost perspective. This is a big business issue. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of getting product data correct. Right. Yeah, so if if you think about someone like Amazon, let's let's start there because everyone is familiar with who they are. Yeah. One of the reasons they started with books as their first product was not because they they loved books or whatever. The reason was that the data for books was already structured. It was easy to, you know, books had titles, they had, you know, ISBN numbers, they had authors, and people knew how to search for books. If you don't have that fully structured, a search engine cannot give you the product that you're looking for. And if you can't find the product that you're looking for, it it doesn't matter if it's there in your inventory or not. One of the biggest hurdles, for example, I'll I'll give you an example of from one of our other customers where let's say their catalog had grown so big, but the data wasn't very clean. It was just a bunch of keywords. So if someone searched for bed sheets, 
you would start seeing paper sheets. You would start seeing other types of sheets because it was just trying to decide what to show based on the two keywords, bed and sheets. For it to know that someone is searching for a bed sheet, it needs to have more context. It needs to know bed is a category, sheets is a product attribute of yeah. the bed. It's not associated with paper and so on. So that structuring is key to be able to find products on e-commerce sites. And that's the reason it's so important. Got it. And so we've got to be able to, you know, when when we load up, let's say we're working with some new bedding company, when we load mm-hmm. up their 2000 products from pillows to blankets to cushions to whatever it is, you know, to, to sheets, right. we've got to know when all these SKUs come in, okay, this name of a color is actually a color, even if it's like a funky named color, right? You you and I both Correct. know, you know, you go shopping for bedding and they're going to call the color Correct. blue, all kinds of funky, weird stuff, right? Correct. So, Ultraviolet or something. Yeah. Who the <laughs> heck knows? Like some, you know, like Greek sunshine or whatever that, right? right? So you got to be able to identify that, slot it properly so that when we search, we're actually finding the right stuff. So if, if we yep. don't have our data right, people aren't finding things on our site. If they're not finding things, they're not going to come back. I mean, selling. probably the yes. reason- And you they're and not I, coming back. Exactly. Yeah. The, the reason I that's go back the, to Amazon, probably you too, is because it's there when I type it in. That's why I got it. You know, it's exactly. there right away. So, okay. So that's the business relevance here. And you've got to get that, the data part right. And actually the book story is pretty interesting. We've talked to people mm-hmm. at Amazon, never gotten that story, but it sounds plausible. Yep from what you're saying. So, all right. So now we'll get a little bit into what this process looks like today. You folks work with, I mean, you know, on your homepage, you've got logos like Pfizer, Walmart. I mean, you're working with some of the biggest firms in the world and you're getting to see what the manual side of this looks like to level up our SKUs at a high level. Talk a little bit about what human beings have to do or what kind of technologies are involved today, kind of pre-AI maybe for some firms and what this this looks like in the present time. Right. So let's take a use case, right? Without naming the client. They had about a million SKUs when they came to us. They wanted to grow to 300 million SKUs with the same process. Now, the manual way of doing this was having 3,000 human beings look at literally 3,000. Imagine that. And when when your catalog is small, they have to look at the supplier information that comes in all sorts of formats. These are not necessarily, so there could be a PDF document that's just dumped at you with a thousand SKUs in it and all of the information hidden there. It's all there, but it's in a very huge PDF catalog document. Someone needs to go there, manually look at that document. This client had about 3000 different types of products in their in their catalog. So someone has to figure out which of those buckets this thing falls into, which of the 3000 <laughs> bucket so is it is it like a television is it is it a bed is it a smartphone accessory what yeah. what the hell is it yeah once you figured that out then you have to fill in a template imagine an excel sheet with something like 100 columns each column is different for each attribute so one human being would take depending on what the skew is would take anywhere from 30 minutes to 1 hour just to fill in the data for one product now imagine you know doing this for 100,000 million products a month. It's very hard to scale at that level, and especially if, you, if you're trying to build a huge catalog. Of course, the accuracy, you know, it's, it's definitely more error prone when, when humans do it. But more than the error, it's just a very, very slow process. And that, that's how it was being done before. It's, it, and it's expensive. Right, because when so many humans are doing it, even if you're doing it offshore, it's quite expensive. 
Yeah, 3,000 um, people are hard to feed no matter where you put them. So right. if you don't mind, I'll just get a little bit of clarity on the use case here because this is good that we're getting into some detail. The way I would imagine if we're a big enough enterprise, mm-hmm. maybe this is not the case, but I would imagine right. we would say, hello, vendor, you're working with mm-hmm. us because we're gigantic. If you want to sell with us, here's how you're going to submit your product information. And right. for all these different categories, there's different necessary fields and you have to include it. It sounds like, like I would think you would be able to strong arm you know, the, the smaller guys into just playing your game. But from what you're saying, they just say, hi, here's my product. Here's a PDF. Hi, here's my product. Here's an email. What is the format this stuff comes in? So, 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 th- so this, is, this is interesting. Yeah, you should be able to. But here's the problem. 70% of the revenue of a lot of these suppliers comes from Amazon. So they'll do everything to, to satisfy Amazon. But beyond that, there are 200 other retailers they need to talk to. They don't care. Doesn't matter how big you are. You get, and, and here's what happens, right? When you throw an Excel sheet with 100 mm. columns at them, they're going to fill in three or four of them, which are most required. They'll do a, a, just the bare minimum needed to get the basics wow, done, right? And, yeah. and get onboarded. But then that is not enough for any, any sort of catalog. So someone has to do the work. Suppliers give you data in the form of, as I said, they'll sometimes they'll just say, here's the here's the GTIN, right? GTIN is, is the is the barcode or or whatever that you find on a Coke can. They'll give you the barcode and they'll say, This is all we have. Or if you're a marketplace, which is which is even more interesting, if you're a marketplace, you're getting stuff directly from Vietnam or China, it's in a different language. They don't even have data in the proper format, but you still want to sell it. You don't have time to go back to the supplier and and ask them to keep filling it up. They're yeah. not interested. They're not interested in filling up different yeah. templates for two hundred retailers. Yeah, right. for, yeah, you're right. Two hundred retailers, right? And every retailer yeah. is going to have a different format. This is probably the right. same way we see this with invoices, right? There's a lot of AI solutions for document extraction and whatnot, and on the procurement and invoicing side, because probably the same thing, right? Even if we're a big giant firm. These guys are working with a thousand other people. They're going to use their own dumb templates, whether we tell them to use this template or not. And we're going to have to deal with the mess. And so this is a circumstance where it sounds like there is no way, even if you're a big player, there's no way around it. You're not going to get as much info as you want. And the legwork is going to be on you to actually list it. And, and that's that's not the, the whole story, right? So getting a product onboarded, you may still have some interest from the supplier, right? Because he wants to sell his product. But once it's onboarded, there are many things that keep changing. The price may change. The, the product descriptions may change. He may just deactivate a product, right? The, the, suddenly, you may realize that a product that's on your catalog is no longer even available. Nobody comes back and tells you any of that. Someone needs to proactively monitor these suppliers, look at what, what is changing, proactively inform the retailer that this change has happened. Are you interested in making the change onto your catalog? All of that needs automation. If you don't do that, you'll always be out of sync with the supplier. And if you're out of sync with the supplier, I mean, what the hell are you selling? Yeah, yeah. Great way to put it. What the hell are you selling? Probably the first time we've had that phrase on the show. But no, no, you're right. I mean, clearly the problem doesn't stop there. So that ongoing monitoring, does that involve looking at that product skew on the retailer site and noticing when it changes, like maybe the, the thread count of the sheets change or the color, like... Is that what you mean, or what does that monitoring look like? Not on the retailer side; it's on sure. the supplier side. So, supplier 
all suppliers, at least the large ones, will have their own websites. They'll have the information on their own websites. We want to monitor that. We want to figure out, have they added any new SKUs? Have they made any changes to the pricing? Have they, This is such an important thing, by the yeah. way, that it's even more important than onboarding new SKUs. Wow. And it's all impossible. Nobody even knows. I mean, how can you... So remember, if, if you're a retailer and you're selling even 100,000 products, there may be 5,000 to 10,000 suppliers that you have to monitor. If they don't keep coming back and proactively telling you what's changed, your catalog is always out, out, out of date and th- that's not good for you. Got it. Okay. So we've got the way this happens now is these things come in in a PDF or they come in with almost no information or they come in with whatever. And then some human has to use a combination of their own secondary research, a combination of some bare minimum ugly PDF content or whatever, and they've got to cobble this stuff and copy and paste it into the equivalent of what is an Excel sheet, I presume, in the back of a giant retailer or someone that lists all these products, in the back of their websites and their product SKU software, whatever it is, they've got a million fields. And then so some somebody's sitting in front of these, they've got one screen up where they're filling in a million fields, they've got another screen up where they're Googling things, they're looking at PDFs, whatever, and they've got to manually build it. That's that's the case. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. Got it. So, now th- there's there's just one more complication. <laughs> oh, here, geez. Right? Not another that, one. All right, really, go ahead. That that's crazy as well. So yeah. in this this template itself changes, right? The template that we're talking about, the one that needs to be filled. Now suddenly, let's say tomorrow, as you said, there could be a new color that gets introduced. Let's call that color ultraviolet. I'm talking about a very simple change. Yeah. Now your color palette has gone from 60 to 61. You need to go back and look at all your SKUs in your current catalog that should be labeled ultraviolet instead of blue. Because if you don't do that, someone searching for ultraviolet is never going to find it. So now there are three things that you need to keep looking at, right? One is the the new SKUs that get onboarded. That is still doable to some extent. The second is changes to your existing SKU as suppliers change their information. And the third is your taxonomy itself changes, the, the template or the taxonomy or the hierarchy changes. And you, that may impact your entire catalog. You need to monitor that as well. So all of this can be fully automated using the system that yeah. we provide. To or at least speakers. partially automated. I, I never I never, let the, I never let the phrase partially fully automated. automated. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that's, yeah. Fair. that's yeah, fair. It is fair. Yeah. It's totally fair. But you're right to say that some of those tasks that you just articulated are much better for an algorithm to do than a human. And now right. you and I get to talk about what that looks like. So I imagine that on some level, I know that for each individual client, there's a lot of different algorithms that you folks will build out for different fields around what product mm-hmm. type is, colors, whatever. There's a lot of customization right. in terms of what you folks have to build for one of these big installations and, and deployments. I would imagine that you need a whole lot of previous training data and, and you do what you need to do in order to get it up past a certain threshold of confidence and accuracy. And then I I would guess that you would provide this system, I don't know how, with the PDFs, the unstructured right. information that the supplier gave to the retailer. Hey, here's the, here's mm-hmm. the details about this product. And then this system would do as much extracting as it could. And then it, it would take that big backend form that we talked about filling out and it would fill in as much of it as it could with confidence fill out and it would fill Correct. it. In. And then some of the rest of it, the human being would handle, or maybe the human Absolutely. being would also spot check it and see if it's all accurate. Is that correct in terms of how that's, the workflow that's, changes? That, that's almost absolutely correct. Okay. So let me just reiterate, I think what please, you said was right. Please, please. So 
depending on the client, the idea is to get the supplier's job as easy as possible. So we allow them to dump information. They still need to give us some sort of an identifier, which is like it's either a, a G10 or a barcode or a, it's called the MPN, which is the manufacturer part number. Something that identifies the part is very, very important. Maybe they need to give us a brand and maybe a, a short title, and then they just upload any PDF documents. This is the input into the system. That input is then first used to auto-classify the product, right? So unless you know what it is, you don't know what attributes it needs to have. So you need to first classify the product. Is it a shirt? Is it a dress? Is it a television? Is it a, a laptop or whatever? That auto-classification is reasonably accurate. That is almost 100% done by machine because that, that needs to be good. Then, as you said, we will extract as many of the attributes as we can at the right confidence level. If it, if it is beyond a certain threshold, a human does not need to look at it at all. So the machine, machine output is accepted. Got it. But if it is not, if it is like a below a certain threshold, the human will review and approve any extractions. And there will always be a third set where the machine just could not get any response at all. Yeah. And in those cases, the human actually has to still fill it in. So we are able to get to 70 to 80% automation, as I would say. There yeah. is still a human team on our end that does the rest of it. Sure, sure. Yeah. And um, all of this is managed through a workflow you know, dashboard that, that a client accesses. Once it goes through our review, then it goes to the client getting doing a review. So we do a randomized sort of a stratified random sample that they can look at. Yep, yep. They can approve and then that batch gets approved. Via APIs, it goes straight into that database and then it's ready to be used. Got so that's, it. That's basically the process. This is really helpful. So if you don't mind, I'd love to reiterate this just to make it clear for sure, the audience. Please, yeah. So I could imagine, mm -hmm. so figuring out, you know, for us, it's not just, you know, okay, hey, what's the AI? What's the result? Obviously, all these details about how you work with clients and how you integrate with them mm -hmm. or don't integrate with them and and right. how their how their workflows actually change how their day-to-day -day life changes that's a lot of what this show is about is bottom line impact right. and, and workflow impact so i'm just going to try to articulate what you just said and make sure it's clear for the audience i could imagine a world where the supplier provides the basic information you mentioned kind of the three fields maybe and then the pdfs and all the ugly unstructured stuff they provide right. that to the retailer and then the retailer uses your guys software to comb that, and then it kind of fills out within the retailer's own interface, whether it's kind of red, yellow, green, right? If it's red, they didn't, it didn't get any data. If it's yellow, we need to check it. If it's green, it's high enough confidence. But actually what you're saying is the way that you guys work with these bigger firms is you folks actually handle that. So the onboarding of that, that product information, you guys take it in. And I would imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong here, from a vendor enterprise standpoint, and, and these these elements are really important when, when people understand how AI impacts business. These are really strategic decisions. My guess is that the those internal interfaces that your clients use maybe are so custom and bespoke and different from a big company like a Pfizer to a Walmart to a, you know, you work with so many different brands that you don't want to have to customize to autofill in everybody's own kludgy Frankenstein IT software. You just want to have your own. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so, okay. So, so that... It would, it would seem like, because some people, you know, in the medical space, for example, we're looking at maybe radiology or something. There's only a certain number of kind of radiology dashboard softwares, right? So if we can build mm -hmm. an interface that layers right. our value on top of it, 
that's cool. We build five integrations. It's going to be time consuming, but now we just plug into the system the client already has. In your case, it's too different and divergent. So you guys actually control that interface and then you just send it when it's more or less done. Correct. And, and then Correct. they approve. Because it's, that's it's, what they're used to. Just think about what we are replacing, right? We are replacing a 100% human manual interface. Yeah. Even the human being was doing the same thing. It was just taking longer Quality-wise, it was not very consistent, and it was much more expensive. I'm As far as the client is concerned, behind the scenes, there is an AI doing whatever, but the value that they're getting is faster onboarding, which matters a lot. Products cannot be sitting in your inventory, and then you don't have it on your catalog. What's the point? So faster onboarding is very, very valuable. Yeah. Consistent quality and much, much cheaper, right? As we scale... We are literally disrupting these guys. In some cases, we may be one-fifth the, the cost, of course, of at scale yeah, sure, of, sure. of what they were doing it manually. So, But the process should not change. But what we are very conscious of is as far as they are concerned, they should not have to do anything different. Yeah, They still just ask the supplier to give whatever. Supplier, it, it, it does become a little easier for the supplier. They're not no longer even being asked to fill up this template, which they were not filling up. But <laughs> yeah. they're not even being asked to fill it up. Yeah, They're just being asked to dump the data. We take it, we do the rest and, and hand it over. That's uh, cool. To the retailer. We talk about this all the time, Divya, around finding mm-hmm. junctures and workflows where AI adds value, right? Like right. taking unstructured data and putting it in a structured format Cool. Really nice general idea. I mean, AI is good for that generally, but this is one juncture in Mm -hmm. one set of industries where that capability, if you get narrow, context-specific, specific specific algorithms for specific categories, now it can really turn into economic value. I think this is just a great great example of how specificity and context are a lot of the value. And, And to your point, so tell me if I'm right or wrong, right now when they would get all that information, were they already sending it kind of overseas? In the first place, they were already working with an outside partner to do that manual data input. Most of them either were doing that or they were doing it in-house. So if their catalog is not very big, they may do it just in-house. Either way, it was being done manually. There is no other alternative. There are, you'll find a lot of AI companies that, as you said, they, it sounds very easy, right? Just turn unstructured to structured and, and obviously AI is good at that. But generic algorithms don't work. You have to have this whole process. As, as you said, nothing can be fully automated. There is always a bit, a lot of customization per client. So this, this whole ownership of the process and what you're selling is not AI really. What you're selling is here is a system that can get you there better, faster, cheaper. And it's significantly better, faster and cheaper. But nothing changes on your end. You, 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 you were, you know, you, you were getting this Excel sheet filled up. We are going to give you that filled up Excel sheet. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yep. And you've learned the same way any vendor that's actually one real enterprise customers has learned that minimum workflow change for the the customer is Correct. the name of the game. I think at some point, absolutely. Yeah. At some point, this whole function of managing product categories, updating product categories, there will be companies, and I'm sure there are today, who are from the ground up building this stuff in a totally different way. But the legacy guys where most of the money is, they're not going to do that. They don't want really radical transformation. They want one juncture to be overhauled. And if you can add value, you win the business. So super, super, super interesting use case here. Cool. 
So a lot of our audience will be familiar with, you know, oh, working with unstructured data. Yeah, AI is cool. Man, here's one wild little use case. It can be the difference between somebody buying, not buying, become a customer, not becoming a customer. This was a lot of fun. So yeah. Yeah. I know that's all we had for time, Divya, but thanks so much for being able to join us again on the program. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Divya for being able to join us for this episode. And thank you to you, our listener, for listening all the way through to the end. If you're not already following Emerge on social, be sure to do so. It's just at E-M-E-R-J on Twitter or Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research on Facebook or on LinkedIn. This is where we post not only all of our latest interviews, like the ones you just listened to now, but also all of our latest infographics and articles. So if you're interested in AI use cases, if you like reading in addition to listening, uh, and if you want more insights around where AI is driving value in the enterprise, be sure to follow us on social again, at EMERJ on Twitter, or it's just Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research on the other platforms. I certainly appreciate you here as a listener, and I appreciate all of you over the last six months as we started talking about it, who've also joined us on social. So I hope to catch you there as well. And if nothing else, I look forward to catching you here in the next episode of the AI in Business Podcast.